the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Blue Throne's new partnership model just received an $85 million credit line and now allows you, app creators, with product market fit to stay in the game and not sell your entire business. And you still get to enjoy the excitement of scaling through Blue Throne's advanced SDK technology, publishing network, and their specialized scale team. Look, growing your app beyond a certain point all by yourself is almost impossible. Trust me, I've scaled a lot faster by teaming up with others. Because your beloved baby, your app, must mature and transform into a company. Blue Throne's new partnership model is better than any VC investment because it gives you cash in hand, your life back, and the right to see your app adopted by millions while making millions. Learn more by going to bluethrone.io. That once again is bluethrone.io. Got an app idea that you think will be the next unicorn, but you don't know what to do next? Well, with more than 15 years of experience creating software, b7dev.com can help you out. Schedule a free one-hour call by going to b7dev and let them know that Steve sent you. That, once again, is b7dev.com. Is up, App Nation. It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and more importantly, and the reason why you're here, your subscription revenues. And we're going to talk about the secret to exploding your subscription revenue from membership versus subscription, the psychology behind why we why we sign up. You're going to discover how to instantly generate multiple revenue streams from your app and the secret, and why I'm full believer on this, to super, supercharge your subscription with promotion. And joining me today is Alex Guerrero. He is the head of monetization at Baz Super App, the first Mexico Super App. Let's bring him. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Nice to be here with you and your audience. I got to meet Alex at App Promotion Summit in San Francisco. I'm going to be in London, so stay tuned for that. We're prepare, preparing the landing page, and we're going to do a workshop in London for that. But I want to say hi to a few people, too, as we get started. Ricardo, how's it going? Luke! And then Rudy, fired up, fired up. <laughs> Let's go. All right, Alex, you know, I want to really start with this. Talk to me about this slide right here. We're going to go through this, the psychology and the membership, the differences between memberships and subscriptions. Yeah, I think th I, this was the last slide that we had at the app promotion. So yeah. as you mentioned, uh, I think this is, this is for me, one of the most important slides I wanted to just wrap up the session. It was just about understanding the differences between membership and subscriptions and this comes not actually it wasn't this is not something that i just made up it's something that comes from like a very inspiring talk that we had with one of the head of products uh, from netflix back in the days uh, we were designing when i was working at uber we were designing 
uh, how to build a powerful membership, a powerful subscription or whatever we wanted to design in order to bring uh, a differentiation value prop for the whole Boulder platform. And then this was very inspiring. This was very powerful for me. It's just understanding that even for Netflix, it was they, they wanted to build connections with customers in a more emotional way. And they were describing how subscriptions today, um, you can differentiate between like utilities or transactional relationship with your customers if you see it on the right hand side. And then on the left hand side, it's just building those emotions, those connect those with those connections. So if you are just, for instance, analyzing the entertainment industry, which Netflix and Hulu and all these platforms are, they have to build emotions with their customers. So um so obviously a subscription model or a membership model works most for them. But at the end of the day, you need to have this transactional part. So so the, the main takeaway here is like how to build what it's called there like an emotional utility. You know, like people are paying for that because they are using it the most and they are integrating that as part of their lifestyle. That's the most important part. As long as it creates emotion, as long as it has a utility value, I think you can create a very powerful emotion or a, a very powerful uh, program that can last for long. Yeah, I really love this too. And I when, when I saw you, present this, it really hit home with me because we have a, a membership model for our academy, which has our video courses. And I'm like, whoa, this is it. Like you have to provide utility, but people are also here for the community as well. And I think most subscription apps tend to just lean one way or the other, and mostly on the, the utility side of things, but that emotional just really hit home with me. Exactly. And then you can see, you know, like thousands of different companies that they launch their subscription uh, pricing uh, platform or method, and they're only focused on transactional elements, you know, like either creating or increasing customer engagement by, by I don't know, get, getting you access to a tool that increases the efficiency of your company or something like that, or uh, by bringing you more revenue to your company or increasing the lifetime value, but they don't focus on this emotional uh, factors, as you mentioned, right? For instance, creating a community, you know, like incorporating into your value prop, let's say communities in which people can review others, in which they can interact. At the end of the day, we we all humans, we all want to just like socialize or have some sort of like connection with others. So right. yeah, it varies per, per company, but it, it's an important element. Yeah, I love it. Do you have another example of a company besides Netflix that's doing this pretty well? I think uh, I can bring a lot of case studies about this but i think one let's say failure case study is like for instance this strategy from groupon right back in the days you know this big company that was relying a lot on discounts for everyone they believe in everyone i mean this, i bring in this company because it, it was I, I remember the wall street journal and, and some other newspapers talking about uh, these becoming the best the best next or something and then we saw what happened at the end i think they forgot to bring emotional elements to their platform uh, i was expecting more like communities as you mentioned reviews uh, in a more dynamic way uh, bringing like different kind of uh, interaction methods or gamification strategies uh, and that was just it was just a means for companies to just give transaction value for customers. So I think this this comes to mind into some transaction platforms. But I know during this discussion we're going to talk about like also like software as a service companies and so. But I that comes to mind is just making sure that if your customer is perceiving you only in a monetary or transactional way, then maybe you're doing something wrong, and then maybe you might need to change a little bit your your model into something that creates more connections with customers. Yeah, I like. It.
uh, the other Alex, what do you think about like maybe Airbnb might have, I mean, I know they don't have subscriptions, but like, I like that there's sort of like that membership community vibe to their yeah, service. I, this, this is a great example. You know, as like, um, I'm a fan of Airbnb, but I have always questioned that because they have like, I mean, when you, when you analyze the, the, the whole, um, economy about like sharing your home or sharing any place in, in this way in which you only have like two big players in the US, which is VRBO and then Airbnb, but they obviously compete with Expedia and Booking and other ones. But if you analyze only these two players, Airbnb or VRBO, they normally create lots of transaction value because okay, you 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 go and then you have you're in a in a in a vacations or something with your family or friends or anything. And then obviously the experience that they want to try to sell you is obviously the, the whole thing about where you are, right? Uh, and even if it depends on, on a third party to provide this service uh, of any apartment or house you're staying, something, something that I have questioned about the strategy of Airbnb and, and even these companies from Expedia is that they also rely a lot on transaction value. Uh, mm -hmm. I wish they had more other elements like a loyalty program. I mean, I, I think they have some sort of version of loyalty program in the U.S. and some selected markets, but it's not widely popular. If you, for instance, analyze the, the strategy from Expedia or Hotels.com, you can check that they, they have a loyalty program in which they create some sort of emotional connection or utility in which you move from one level to another one. And, and actually right. that creates some sort of progression sense like people oh yeah i'm now like gold level i'm now silver status or something like that um, and then unlocking benefits or unlocking uh, some specific experiences at some of those places and um, so i understand why perhaps airbnb hasn't tried this uh, so far i mean they have a huge market share within the, the category in which they are right now but i think eventually they will need to do that right beyond just like creating experiences um, i think airbnb is a good example but i think they can do they can do way more if he, if he comes into like creating more customer engagement with emotions. You know, I think I want to, I want to show this. I love hotel tonight. You know, it's one of the apps I use typically for like hotels. Most of the time, Alex, even if I'm like looking for it, but they do have these like levels, these gamifications. And I think, you know, I'm going to bring this back up and I, I love this point that you're making. I think these are great for retention, right? Like, and sometimes people, you tell me if I, if you feel differently, but I feel like sometimes apps tend to rely on these gamification perspectives without the utility. When I feel like, okay, if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick utility first and then I'm going to layer on this like sort of gamification. They have to go hand in hand. The gamification is why I like it, but it's not the main reason why I come. I get a lot of utility out of it first and it's fun to see these. But, and then the, the other thing is, you know, I'm trying to plan a little getaway with my wife, but like it's, it's these things where you, you might not, be able to see it but it's like hey because you have this perk you you got a discount right and i i like that 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 makes me feel cool so you can see like my perk discount down here is cooler that's where, sort of what you're talking about with the new aspect yeah you're you're totally right i think uh um, this is why I like this, this Venn diagram that you just showed. It's like this intersection is if you want to create short-term engagement, you obviously need to focus on the, let's say, transaction value or the utility value, 100%. Right. Because we're going to 
have at start, we're gonna we're gonna take a decision more on like a logical side, more in like what what's fair for us, you know, what's the, the fair value of something. But in order to create mid-term or long-term retention, you need to bring these other elements, you know, just to make sure that customers are feeling any sort of progression, that they're feeling part of a community, that they are uh, evolving with the with the with the company, that they are giving you access to some benefits that no other one are other uh, members or non-members are having. So I think those kind of things create like this extra value that that sometimes I'd say like more than 80% of companies don't like to focus at the very beginning, but that can make actually the difference if you design your monetization strategy in these kind of like businesses uh, in the right direction. I love it. Hey, Alex, the next thing I want to move on to, and I think this is one of the things that I talked about at ABS was like promotions, like, hey, subscriptions, you should be using some type of promotion. It works for e-commerce. Why aren't you guys doing it? You mean promotions in what in, in what sense? Just to just to because this is a broad topic. So you just give me give me yeah. a few examples and go deep. Like how to effectively use promotional trap tactics to drive customer acquisition here. This is the slide I'm sort of responding to right here that you kind of pointed oh, out fantastic. too. Yeah. So yeah, you, you used to then then to come to mind is like when we're talking, for instance, about promotions and the subscriptions world, right? Which is basically what we're talking today. Is like you have a different strategies here, and I'm bringing this from. Uh, different topics and different uh, research that, that we have done with some other consultants in the industry. Um, you have different tactics. So you can see there's like the most ones that people are familiar with is like having an annual an annual discount if you subscribe for the entire year, right? Um, uh, some other companies, they may have like freebies in which they give you access to like, a, say like a low cost version or like a low cost value of, of the, let's say, entire package if you want to see it that way. Um, then you have uh, other tactics that are more into when you cancel the subscription, then give you access to like a downgrade or like a version that it's not the same as the full version, but you still have access to some features and some elements. And then obviously you may have some cross-selling promotions in which once you are in one of the subscriptions, then you give you access to other benefits uh, that are part of other subscriptions uh, in which you may have them for as a free trial or something with a reduced value at the beginning. Um, I think all of these tactics that I'm that I'm sharing here, they work effectively, but it also depends on the timing. It also depends on how competition uh, is playing around. Uh, as you may expect, we always have competition doing other kind of tactics. Uh, it's important that we make sure that we don't rely much all the time on promotions because then we can lower the value prop of our membership or subscription here. Um, but in the case, we obviously want to create these like... Uh, safe revenue streams in the long term but uh, mm -hmm. it's always important when you launch a membership or a subscription plan to have in mind these promotional tactics the one that i would recommend the most is perhaps giving a free trial um, some companies for instance like doordash or even uber eats uh, they have tried like say free trials for their memberships for like three months or something with free deliveries uh, in some cases i mean my look at wow like three months is a lot but sometimes to build habits from your customers it takes some time more than a week. It depends on like the repurchase frequency, right? Like some customers come to your platform every month or every week or something, you will need more time to engage them in the right way. So I, I know I'm a fan of free trials. And then I'm also a fan of when customers are trying to churn or trying to cancel the membership. Um, it's, it's obviously important to give them 
reasons to to give them a second chance perhaps a, a, an extended uh, trial or a discounted trial this is something that you can see from companies like audible from from uh, from amazon or even when you cancel your amazon uh, prime membership sometimes they give you some sort of benefit or discounted for for a few um, for a few weeks or months or they even give you access to discounted packages if you're a student or i mean they can do as as in detail as, as you want, right? They, uh, this is something that I really, really like. You need to do lots of segmentation just to make sure that if your value prop is kind of like linked into, let's say a student profile or an enterprise profile or something like that, just to make sure what you're delivering is, is actually something that, uh, at, uh, you know, like in a way goes into some specific use cases. Yeah, I like what you said here. I mean, I, I got the DoorDash premium, subscribing because my chase card was but alex after i got that like we now i'm like i cannot live without that subscription so i i agree with you like i'm usually a fan of like a seven day a normal seven day trial but sometimes it like a like a DoorDash or like an Uber Eats, you're going to need some time to build up that habit. And now they definitely, we have that habit. You know, my, well, I joke, my kids are like, what do you want for dinner? They don't say a restaurant. They just say DoorDash. And that is their normal, their, that is a number. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just amazing how they, they have conducted this with lots of experimentation and lots of like being with, in the time that the customer needs you and, and obviously making sure that the, the value they're providing is basically what you're expecting. But yeah, sometimes it's just like difficult just to sometimes, uh, I mean, perhaps when you're trying to optimize your cost savings and so you, I think DoorDash might be one of the, the least that you want to try to to delete or something, right? Because the, it has created some sort of connection uh, with the simple fact that it, it gives you access to the best uh, meals or the best dinner that you can have or something. So you always have this connection with food or something as i was mentioning and if they if if the if the company is pushing that with the right uh communications like push notifications like some sort of like reminders or something i think that's that's just crazy yeah and i think it speaks to volume like with that one month free like you know it, sometimes they need more time and the other i want to the last thing i want to point out here is cross-selling we've actually seen some really good case studies with some of the clients we've been working with like using at being an Amazon affiliate, you know, like testing out, we have a very engaged community testing out if people would buy some of the recommended products that we have on Amazon and that is taking off. And so, you know, there's a couple of different apps that where we're using Amazon affiliates to cross sell. There is a subscription, there's in-app purchases, but if you want to buy a physical product, for example, or some of the recommendations, then Go, go buy it on Amazon. Here's our recommended products. And we are seeing some revenue just come in through that. So I think it's a great way to start cross-selling. It's a low-hanging fruit. Anybody can do it. As long as you have an engaged audience, you can start doing that. Yeah, you're, you're just right. I mean, I've seen other companies doing this affiliate strategy, and I think it's it works pretty well uh, as long as you have your segments clearly defined and what your objective functions, right? But I think it's, it's always good that you, you come to mind with not only the cross-selling, uh, let's say, plan or, or strategy, but also the deep selling or the upselling one. So it remain, it, it has to be with the different product portfolio that you have. But obviously, you want to increase uh, your customer's lifetime value. So cross-selling is definitely is definitely something that you need to have on your roadmap. I like it. I hit that. 
I want to say hi to a few more people here. Angelina, good to see you. She's got a great question. Hey, Subgrow, we need a Discord chat sometime. Does Steve have that available? I do, but it's usually for the paid people. But, you know, feel free. I think that might be an interesting thing. I'm usually, I'm on Discord for our fantasy team, but not on this app stuff. So if you guys want to whip one up and then just put me in there, that'll be awesome. And then let's see. What's up, Miguel? Romain's here. And then Yash is here as well. Hey, Alex, what would you recommend? If Let's say like I have a brand new app. I want to be subscription. That's the end goal. How would you launch a brand new subscription app? Would you start with just having subscription right from the very start? Um, no, I think that there are many steps, right? And this is something that we talk also during the app promotion summit, uh, this framework that um, part of that, I was telling you guys during the, the, during the summit that it was, it was built that like working with side by side with some uh, strategy and marketing consultants from Simon Christian Partners, but also uh, by the time that I work at Uber and now the company that I'm working on creating the biggest super app in Mexico is just making sure that you do different steps. And within this framework, which is a, a seven step approach, I, I want to make sure for everyone following this framework that they consider all the factors that are necessary to launch a subscription membership or subscription or slash membership uh, for, for the market or for the segment that you are uh, considering. So the first one that you may see on this uh, on this chart is, is about doing an external analysis. Basically, what it comes to mind is that there are many companies that they build their subscriptions or memberships based only on product features that they they would like to bring to the customer. And this is something that I don't like. Um, if there's a, a good book that I'd like to recommend you guys is there's like a good book called like Monetizing Innovation. Uh, it's a very interesting book because it talks about the features or the steps that you need to consider when you're launching a new product. And, and I'm focusing right now on tech products. Uh, but when you talk about a subscription, when you do an, an external assessment, it's just to make sure if you have an existing subscription or if you want to launch a brand new product as a subscription or membership, you need to make sure how are your customers valuing the features that you're going to incorporate into this plan, right? And this is something that some people do with surveys, some other ones do with focus groups, some other ones more exper experimental. That is something that I really like the most. Do something that are conjoint studies. Uh, yeah, this is this this is basically the book. If you if you guys. Um, want to like deep dive more on like the designing products uh, with a very uh, focus on monetization. I think this is a good approach uh, uh, into that. Um, and when doing this external analysis, you need to make sure that you also use some uh, experimental, let's say, uh, methods. One of the ones that I like the most is the conjoint study. It's basically a, a statistical method in which you actually put customers. If, you, if you're, for instance, designing a membership from scratch, you launch this conjoint study and then you design the ex experiment in, in a way that you go and ask customers how they will consider one feature against another, for instance, right? So you design this experiment in which, let's say that you want to launch your membership with some sort of benefit to, um, I don't know, uh, let's say let's say like a, like a comps platform or something like Twilio. Uh, okay, I want to just test how will be um, uh, the consideration or the value from a customer if in this plan I add just, let's say, this feature for a thousand customers or if this feature only applies for the first 100 customers and then the customers will will start like just uh, assessing each of these scenarios and at the end of the day this this tool is very powerful because the external analysis is going to give you an idea of what benefits are most important than other ones so you can you can start having 
the the right portion of features that the customers are valuing the most. That's the most important part. And then, but the external analysis, it, it's not only about what I have. It's also about what other players have. And this is something that I also see a lot of entrepreneurs and, and, and business owners that they miss. They believe that their value prop is so unique that they don't need to consider what, what's else in the market, right? Uh, so I think it's important that if you're building something that it's complementary to something that already exists, uh, you need to also assess how is this position with your competition, right? Because that's going to give you an insight of like something that maybe your customers don't like about the competition today that you may use in your own advantage or something that is not worth a lot. So, so I think this is the very first step because in order to put your teams, your development teams, your UX teams and other ones to start building a product, in this case, a tech product or, or, or a website or something, um, you need to make sure that this works in the really right way in which it matches the needs of the market. It is something that can be or cannot be exploited from the current offerings that are there. Um, and then I think that's that's pretty much the most important takeaway about this step. You like to start off with, how do you like to think about pricing? I get this question a lot, Alex. It's like, what should I price it? Like, how should I price my subscription? Yeah, I think there are obviously, I mean, there you know, it all relies into four different methods. It's about doing competition-based pricing. It's okay. about doing cost plus pricing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over uh, like very quick into each of those. It's about doing customer-based pricing and it's about doing value pricing. As you may expect, doing competition pricing is just making sure if there's a similar value prop uh, per your, you know, like subscription or membership, you just go and try to do the pricing pretty similar to your competition, maybe a little bit cheaper at the beginning, right? This is competition-based pricing. Sometimes it doesn't work and it, sometimes it has to be on like, I want to just penetrate doing like a market penetration strategy. And it might work if you, if the share world of your customer is only able to pay I don't know, like 10 bucks for the kind of membership that you're proposing, right? Um, and then obviously when you, you do competition-based pricing, uh, the most important part is just to make sure that you can eventually start a price war with your with your competition if they are seeing that you're taking your, I mean, their customers, right, in a way. So it's recommended, yes, but only to the extent in which you monitor what your competition is doing in a way just to have more promotions or to... Uh, in case your value prop so they can compete better with that. And then cost plus pricing, as you may expect, is just like having perhaps a bunch of like people from finance and then they decide, okay, this is the break-even point. And from that, we want to just have like a 20% um, profit or something, right? Or 30% or 50%. I don't like that either because it's basically based on internal analysis, which is also part of the framework, just doing an internal analysis. How is your cost structure? How is your product cap capabilities and so so I don't like that much. And then is the customer-based pricing in which you basically go with customers and then launch a bunch of surveys, focus groups, and any other exp experimental uh, methods. And then obviously the customer is going to try to pay the less for, for, for the value price. But that also is going to give you a range of, of let's say, price points. Uh, because we, we sometimes might be biased to say, okay, yeah, the customers will like always the cheapest price, but not always. You know, there are some products, let's say, for instance, luxury products, in which if the price is very low, the people are going to start are going to start questioning the quality of the product. So it's it's good to do all these market research analysis. But I think at the end, if I will need to suggest one is that is the four method, which is value pricing, which it takes a little bit of the last three of them is analyzing, obviously, what the competition is doing, analyzing your cost structure, analyzing what customers have. 
But most importantly, when you put all that together, you come with what customers are actually trying to value. And then I obviously mentioned right now one of the methods, which is the conjoint study. There are many other statistical methods that you can apply for, for this pricing because it's not it's not like art. It's more like science. And over the, 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 the past few uh, years, you have like more important like AI tools and machine learning models that give you access to uh, the best pricing mix or something for, for specific things when you submit this kind of inputs, right? The cost structure, what competition is doing and how the customer is perceiving, then you come with the value pricing. And for me, that's the most important one. Obviously measuring what is the value that your product is bringing to the customer in different perspectives in terms of reducing the, their costs or making them more efficient or retaining more customers or giving them access to specific cost savings or so. Uh, I think that's the most important takeaway in terms of pricing, and it applies for subscription platforms, for, for subscription products, but overall in the industry, it's pretty much the same. I love it. You know, one of my favorite things to do is have three pricing plans, and it's usually one is like for the cheap, right, who can't afford that much. One is the ideal one that I want you to do, and the second, the third one is just for a decoy, and this is a, a blog post I wrote back in 2012 but it was it was featured in the Growthing Hack book by Sean Ellis and a friend of mine, Morgan Brown. But we essentially what I did was this was the before Alex, right? And then we kind of, I don't know how we came up with these pricings, but this was how our pricing page was. And so you kind of got to select between which one you wanted, right? And most people were selecting the monthly because it's cheaper. It's obvious. And so this made me think about your value base. What I did was I added one more feature one more plan this is all decoy right and i I just made it up and that's why the blog post said that so 40 percent bought the yearly and 60 percent bought the annual on this plan right so 40 percent bought this one 60 percent bought this one then i kind of just put in this one i was like i know that these two core features are the most important to our customers so i was like all right 30 dollars per month here are your core features so if you don't want to you know if you're cheap and you just want to test it out go ahead i know these are what you want for just 10 bucks more, you're going to get so much more. And then guess what happened? We saw an increase in 203% in just overall sales. And now 86% bought the annual and then 14% chose the monthly. So sometimes it's the way you lay it out that really gets you. And yeah. I'm a fan of three, three packages. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is great. This is a great example. I think it's like how you play with the psychological fact, uh, factor of like presenting different plans and then, just making customers to consider, okay, if I'm paying like 10 extra bucks, I'm going to get actually everything, right? People would like to have everything, even if they are not going to use it, right? So that's that's the best right. part. I mean, like get making customers paying sometimes for stuff that might not necessarily use on the day-to-day basis, but then unlocking them or giving them access to pretty much everything. I think this is a smart tactic. Uh, this is this kind of, uh, let's say, in a way, presenting different paywalls when you go into the, the last part of the purchase uh, um, journey. Uh, I think this is this is an, an important tactic that it's always need, need, it needs to always be experimental, right? I mean, I know that you work with other companies in which uh, you experiment with this sort of like, like paywalls and different strategies. It's always important just to make sure that if you're gonna experiment with this, you need to make customers be aware that uh, it has to be fair also for them, particularly if the ones that pay, they pay like a high price plan and then you decide over the next few weeks that you need to reduce the value of the plan. I think it creates this sort of like fairness effect, but it's important to consider. But um, in my way of thinking, sometimes it's better just to test out in with some uh, market research and then just come and, and experiment on 
different A-B testing on your own app or your own website. I think this is a great idea. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and guess what? Look, I'm, I'm, I have this growth hacking mindset that we had this built, right? So we just laid it out and I just did it in Photoshop and I just built this new product, but we didn't, we couldn't limit features. So no matter what you bought, you got everything, but it was just a test to see what the visuals were because like, well, we'll give it away, fine. But nobody bought this, right? Like nobody bought this, everybody bought this. In our subscription app, we have a, a semi six month plan that is like 10 bucks shorter than the yearly and nobody's buying it. We had one person buy it, but nobody's really buying it. People are picking our yearly and then, you know, a smaller percentage are picking the monthly. Yeah. Too. You know, when, when I'm seeing this, I'm also, it also comes to mind one, one interesting example about The Economist. Uh, they have like sort of the same kind of psychological structure in which- That's I pulled it, dude. Here, I have, seen, have it right here. The newspaper uh, and then the, yep. the digital so, version of so, so and, and then this is basically comes from that. I mean, it's, I mean, I think The Economist did a pretty good job, you know, because- Sometimes, I mean, the, the, the digital version of the, giving access to the, 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 the news outlet is, is, is pretty you know, low cost, but then you make customers pay for the entire service, you know, which is, is right. brilliant. You know, as, as we were talking about this, yes. So this, I borrowed this. I got this inspiration from Dan, Ariel, Dan Ariely's book, Predictably Irrational. And then he, he had this economist study and I was like, let's go. I got into work and I was like, let's go. Let's try this test. And I told my boss, let's try it. And then we did it and I was like, look at the results, man. It's crazy. But, you know, I think airlines could adopt this type of model because, you know, I get, it's like this cheap price and then I get, I buy it. And then it's like, you want to pay 20 bucks for seat tracking. But if they compared it and said, Hey, for just 20 bucks more, you get to select your seats and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll buy it. But it pisses me off when I selected this one. And then you ask for 20 bucks more. It kind of, and I know it's an upsell, but like it, it kind of frustrates me where if they just presented it this way where I get to pick my seats, I may have just been like, okay, I will pick this plan because it's only a few dollars more, like a hundred dollars more. And I get to pick my seats, lay it out better. I'm a more happy user than you're surprising me later on. I hate that surprise. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. I think for airlines, there, I think there's lots of opportunities in terms of like building or doing some sort of build, uh, bundling you know, with their, with their own services and, and, and let's say the product capability that they have. Um, in a way, I kind of understand why they are like kind of like risk avoiders experimenting with this because, I mean, like airlines need to also deal with like uh, fixed cost structures, right? But in a way, um, when we're talking about tech or about like, you know, the industries in which we work the most, like most of the costs that we have are very variable. Right, is the the use of like the cloud service? Okay, it's variable. Uh, like most of these costs are variable, but for companies, it's a fixed cost. I mean, if you move the airplane, you need to you need to move it, and then you have a fixed cost there. So I think they're trying to optimize for that. But I I do I have seen I think a few airlines like Air Asia or some other ones that they have tried to experiment something like this, and I think it's kind of paving the way for also airlines to start being more bold in terms of like uh, experimenting with different plans and, and subscription plans. Like I get it. The different seats have different prices too. So yes, I, I completely get it. All right. Let me, we got a question from Perkador. Okay. I have an app in a small niche for two years since a, since a year competitors are joining my market. Mine is still the most popular, but slowing down. How should I think regarding my price? Keep lower. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to try to bring the, the same analogy of the different diff, the, the four different pricing strategies, right? Um, I think the most important part is like if there's like a slowdown, just to make sure to understand what's the right decision, what, what's the right cause of that? I mean, obviously, competition might have an influence on that, but also maybe the, the economy is just cooling down. You know, so I, I think it's important just to understand if this is something about consumer behavior changing because the, the overall economy is changing or it's just because the competition is changing. I think I think what I will recommend first doing is just to make sure if their customers are churning, just to go and check it and check with them. Why are they churning? If there are customers that are starting to use your product less, just go and ask them why are they using it less just to make sure if there are some features that maybe the competition uh, or if they already shift to, uh, to to try other competitors plan or or even your competitors started with some free trials or some aggressive promotional tactics just to make sure if this is going to be momentary uh, and for that it's going to be super important that you check out uh, how is the value profit of your competitors if you realize that the value profit of your competitors is still inferior or it's not it doesn't deliver the, the same value that you deliver maybe this might be momentary but if you find out that your competitors are having some features that your customers are valuing and they are making them, for instance, engage more their customers or deliver better efficiencies or cost savings or something, then you might need to reconsider your value prop, definitely. Um, I think this is, I mean, it, it varies per industry, but I think this is the best uh, advice that I could I could have, right? It's just to make sure if this is something that is, is brought by your competitors or is this an overall effect of the economy? And I think in the end, we can just, uh, have a recall of the of the first slide that we saw on the promotional tactics. If you're seeing that this is something because customers are spending less because I mean you know inflation and something like that, um, you make sure that you are with them. Try to always. When, I mean, when the economy slows down or something like that, it's always important to always have identified your high value customers. If you have identified your high value customers, try to protect them, right? Because those are the ones that are going to be loyal if you show them that you are willing to sacrifice maybe a little bit of a pricing for a few months or something just to keep them on your side. So I think that's, that's pretty much what I, what I would do. Yeah. I like it. And yeah. What I would say is what Alex said, like if it's like cryptos, right? Like if, if that's just sinking, that's sinking. But if the market, your niche is still there and it's vibrant and like meditation, mental health, all that stuff, but you're like, like say deep breathing, you had a foothold on that, but now competitors coming in Then think about figuring out if I can charge more. We have a case study that we just filmed where we sat down with an hour or an app and we helped increase his ad revenue, the Amazon stuff that we talked about, and also his in-app purchase by optimizing his paywall and by optimizing his plans and his pricing. And when we did that, Perkador, like the rev, all the revenues shot up and it was just dying. So he's like, what am I have to lose? I'll book an hour with Steve. What do I have to lose? And we completely flipped it around. And so we're, we use open enough to share the case study and show all the numbers and what we change and all that stuff. But it could be just that too. All right. Right. All right, Alex. So let's get into my favorite part of the show. One of my favorites part of the show is the app masters app audit. So if you guys want us to take a look at your app or sit down an hour with me, like we just did with Josh, go to appmasters.com slash audit, and you will find all that and you can do it for free on a future YouTube live to a little future YouTube stream. All right. But we start off every app audit segment with some dad jokes.
All right, Alex, you're the guest. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not good at doing a lot of jokes, but I, I will follow you if, if you have a good one. So yeah, let's go ahead. Okay. All right, here we go. Ram tagged me on Twitter. So if you guys see a good dad joke, just tag me. It's at Steve Young everywhere. But he tagged me, so I want to give him a shout out. He used to attend these live streams all the time. But what did the fish say when it hit the wall? Damn. There you go. All right. Alex, you got one? I know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um I think I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask Alexa for a good one, but just, if you have a second one, I follow you, no worries. Okay, all right. I, I will we'll do that one. Perkador says great answer. Thanks. Okay, let's take a look at Patrick's app. Patrick's app, I'll pull it up right here. Oops. Boom. Screenplay app. I like I like this niche in here. So Patrick has a question for us and he says, user experience and design. Anything from the, the app store presence you want to hit on Alex? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I was just seeing this uh, a few hours ago. I think there are a lot of improvement areas, but yeah. Okay. I guess you want to get it straight into the app itself. Let me take a, I like his, I like what you have here, Patrick screenplay app. You know, you just said, forget the brand. I'm going to go straight into the actual keyword that I'm trying to target, but I think your subject or your subtitle can do some work from an ASO perspective. You want to put in other keywords. So let me put in, I like using that follow right now. And so here, I like doing this. Let's open the, let's open up my computer and let's just work. So I will put in screenplay real quick. Cool. All right. Screenwriting. So there you go. You're not ranking that well. You're down here, Patrick. What's the number one keyword? So book creator, possibly, right? This is your competitor that I know of. Final draft might be interesting. Script. So there you go. Storyboard, write a book, writing prompts, script writing. So you can see like script writing, novel writing. These are all good keywords. And screenplay is way down here. So there's way better keywords that you can be targeting versus screenplay because it barely has any traffic. And what we found is you want to be closer to 30 as much as possible. And so whether it's script, book creator, you definitely want those keywords in your subtitle and then in your title as well. And then the last thing I'll say from an initial perspective before we get into the, the U.S. App Store now indexes the Spanish, Mexico, the Arabic, the Vietnamese, the French localization. Just look it up on App Store Connect. So start utilizing those localizations. We have we're trying we're testing out to see if it's impacting U.S. keyword rankings, and we're trying out with apps that are only available in the U.S. just to get a real true sense of whether these other localizations. But the Spanish, Mexico localization. Hey, you're in Mexico, Alex. But that Mexico localization, we've been putting English keywords in there to help our U.S. keyword rankings too and so i was like look you can put that in here and just put english in there and then it'll help your u.s rankings for aso yeah and then if you guys want to check out where alex at it is bass.app too love it yeah okay let's get into his app all right alex i'll, I'll let you lead nice i mean um did you mention how long is this app been i mean just to have an idea if there's just like yeah. still like the sign phase or something maybe this is just like it's an mvp or something uh, i want to be very fair <laughs> good for you alex okay let's look at the version history so february about two years now two years now oh, yeah. all right 
So as you may expect, I think some some more more than sign up and login, perhaps like maybe like giving other options for logging in. I think they only have like Apple. Uh, might be useful maybe to just connect with other, you know, like Facebook or something that might just like helps us like bring this onboarding like faster. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, maybe the um, at the beginning learn how to develop a screenplay in five five fun steps. I might try to use other sort of graphics that are more you know like attractive or meaningful for people and not just like that static or you know like i mean i think might be a little bit like for more academic if you see that way right um then, then what was the next screen about it was just more about like you know like the sign up i have process. to sign up i have to sign up too so patrick what i'd be thinking about is putting an onboarding sequence first like maybe even talk to me about those five fun steps might be interesting to just say like step one, here's what we're going to do. Step two, maybe that's just a screen itself and then get me to sign up. Now, I don't like having a sign up page. I think long term, it's very valuable and certain apps need it like Baz as as example. But like for you, you might not need it. And so if you don't need it, what I've been promoting is show the paywall before the sign up page because that will increase your revenues. But there is going to be a drop off. Now, I just talked to one, one client that signed on with us. He's like, we're getting like 98% conversion rates on this sign up page. And I was like, damn, bro, that's the highest I've ever seen. But most people are going to lose probably 50 to 60% of their downloads to on this page because a few just people do not want to sign up. So I'm going to hide my email for you. Okay. Favorite movie quote. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have one. That was funny. Yeah. That a uh, favorite movie quote i don't really have one but i'm sure your target audience does and i'm just coming out to the fly uh, oh you know what i really like say hello to my friend scarface i go to one yeah classic and now he's showing me this what do you think? Just what you, just what you said. It's basically, it's like from the sign-up process, which is already creates friction into the paywall. Yeah. We're actually having an idea what what things you could do with the with the app, right? Right. You know, I, I know you have this too in your presentation, and I kind of like what he has because I'm going to assume this is a one-time in-app purchase, right? It's not a subscription, and then you got a month. What I would try to do is maybe increase the prices. Look at your like what Alex said, competitor pricing model, what are they charging? That's how I like to do it, Alex, especially if I'm just getting started. Just look at my competitors, charge the same thing, right? I think it's too low. Like Alex said in the beginning, when it's too low, it almost has a negative effect of this. Yep. And what we found, and this is historical since 2011, Alex, like when I've been in the app space, the difference between 99 and 199, you make more money with 199. So I every time I see 99, I'm like, dude, don't put 99. It sounds too cheap, but 199. You'll make more money. I would be playing around with this paywall a lot more, Patrick. And I want to make sure 100% of my downloads close to first opens actually see this paywall. If you're not getting that, you have a critical problem. It's not about, about downloads. It's about the product right now. You have a critical problem when it comes to monetization. Yeah, something I will complement this is like just what you said, Steve. Is like sometimes for, for customers, if you measure your pricing, their pricing elasticity, you can actually figure out that maybe one 
$1. I mean, they can pay anyway, maybe $2. They can pay anyway. And then the yeah. pricing elasticity point changes when they when you ask them to, to pay five bucks or something. So you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you just go very low. You know, it's just, you're just also sending a message that your product might not be that good. So it's, yeah, it's just exactly. be yeah. Well, you know, Alex has this is one of the presentation. We're not gonna go through the entire presentation, but like, yeah, you know, like adaptive flat price, so flat rate usage, you know, there's different models. And I like what Patrick has done in that he does have different models, subscription or one time. Now I'll also add yearly, right? Back to our model. So increase the one time to as close to the monthly and then make the annual maybe like just two X. So annual could be, you know, thirty dollars. Like why wouldn't anybody pay thirty dollars? They're probably paying a lot for What's that famous final draft or whatever that the the script writing software is on Mac? They're playing, they're used to paying a lot and you're just charging, you know, a little tiny amount. So I'd, I'd add yearly. We found monthly to be the worst when it comes to lifetime value of a customer. So monthly is just a decoy. You want to buy the one-time screenplay storage or you want to buy the yearly? You're either professional or you want to try the basics. That's how I like to price this. Great, 100%. Okay, so yeah, load them out. I like it. Step one, title, step two. Oh, okay. What's you have a title of the story of you have a title for your movie, Alex? Scarface. Scarface. <laughs> there you go. Hello. Uh, Scarface. What's up to you? One sentence. I don't know what this one sentence is, but that's interesting. Okay, for sure. Okay. Done. I like this. The other thing I like to do is look at the second open of apps. Alex. What I generally say is, look, Patrick, this is to you. You want to show your paywall on every single app open, right? Don't hide it. Nobody's coming to this. I can't even upgrade account. Where is it? Subscription info. Like where? How do I even pick? Bro, Patrick, this is really bad, bro. This is really bad. This is why nobody's buying your app. Like I can't even see the paywall. What happened to the paywall I saw from the very start? Yeah, that's really bad. You want to show that paywall? You want to show it on the home page, right? Maybe, yeah, like. I don't know when you're going to actually show it again. Oh, man, this is bad. Just That's just horrible. Show that paywall I saw very, from the onboarding again. Don't do it this way. This is really bad. Fix that. Trust me, you'll make more money. And we'll have you back on. We'll do a case study. All right, Alex, anything else you want to say about this app before we move on? It's a bad no, not really. I think beyond beyond worse the the paywall place or something i think there are a lot of opportunities with the the ux design or something anything making it more appealing more attractive and less only fun, focus on the functional part i think that that can also like give them like a, a boost in terms of engagement or the usage yeah that's it. it's yeah. interesting like the ui i just it's ugly patrick like step one maybe you have a checkbox which we all love because we always want to check put a check mark on what our things done step two like why are you calling it step two just fucking tell me what it is. Like, stop making into this. What is this tapping thing? Just tell me what it is. If it's easy, fun, simple steps, like, just tell me what the step is. Nobody wants, don't like hide it underneath that. All right. Cool. All 
All right, Bruno says, can I get my audit app audited too? Bruno, just fill out the form at masters.com slash audit. We will do just that. All right. Uh, what do you feel about Code Canyon app? Alex, do you have any experience on these? Uh, not really. I haven't okay. watched it. All right. It's not a bad place to start. I would say own boss. You know, it's you can buy a template on Code Canyon. I think that's what I'm assuming you're talking about. And then build an app. I think it's a great place to start when it comes to just, you know, for me, I like, I like being cheap. So whatever gets me that first version cheaply just to find product market fit, then I do that. And then I build on top of it. So if you want to try to find something, I actually said that that's how I started Alex and how I learned how to code. I bought a template and then I just modified the template and then it was easier than like starting from hello world to all the way to a full blown app. Right. Like I, I had to buy a template. So that's how I, to, that's how I like to hack it own boss. I bought a template and modified that template and taught myself how to code by modifying a template that fit. Nice. I think that's the best way to learn. You sort of practice it, you know, it's like destroying everything, just starting from everything scratch it. It's often a look. Real product, oh, Steve. Yeah, Joe says, "Whoa, Steve, what? More localizations are indexed in the U.S. other than Spanish Mexico? That's right. That's right, Joe. You've been you've been gone for a long time. Okay, cool. Alex, you got a joke? Oh, damn! I forgot to ask ask Alexa, man. All um. <laughs> <laughs> good. You get to do Chat GPT. All right, I'll give one more for everybody because I know it's one of my favorite ones." Uh, this one hits too close to home. Alex, what's on Chris? What's on Chris Rock's face? What's on Chris Rock's face? Uh-huh. No, it's Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. <laughs> All right. You have one or no? Let's skip on to Sebastian's if you don't. All right. I'm excited to look at Sebastian's app again. Let's take a look at Sebastian's app. He's got a great, pretty cool. Sebastian, if you're watching this, reach out to me, bro. Let's figure out a way to potentially work together because I love that he's got 3,000 reviews. It seems like there's some interesting stuff already happening in the app. So I think there's, I love working with apps like these, Alex. It's like, you got some traffic, you got some traction, you got good reviews. It's just a few small tweaks that I think we can help out. And I'm sure you'll get a lot of this from the free stuff that we're about to do, Sebastian. But he just said put growth. That's all he said. So he just put growth. But it's recipes from professional chefs. Okay. Alex, you're the guest. Do you want to start off? Anything you see from just overall App Store presence? I mean, yeah. So I actually downloaded the app. I think it was a pretty simple process in a way. I mean, overall, right? I mean, some opportunity areas more into uh, what we just talked at the beginning of a conversation is I think it's important that they are, I think they're doing good at putting all these uh, pictures of the food and then give you access to nice pictures of the chefs and then give you a good idea about every all the benefits that you can have access to. So everyone that is like a food lover, I think that definitely the way that the app is designed, like, it can actually bring some attention from them. Um, I think some elements that linking to the to the first part of the conversation that might be interesting to 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 just position more, to develop into detail is how do we create communities? How do we create, I don't want this app only to be, okay, you just watch it, that you just use it, and then that's it. How do we bring all these other elements? How maybe we can bring some challenges, right? Um, mm-hmm. One of the apps that I like the most about like, when you're, because I, 
I believe that some people that use this kind of app is that because they want to learn stuff, they want to feel involved into developing new skills or just being in touch with other people or, or learning about new chefs. But right? something I really like a lot is, for instance, the, the gamification strategy from Duolingo. Uh, I think mm. when you're learning something or when you're using an, an app like this, I think you can bring some elements of that strategy, you know, like challenges, you can bring communities, you can bring leaderboards, you can bring quests, you can, I mean, there are many things in order just obviously because i think the content that they're providing it's good i think i like that i saw some videos uh, and obviously the, the 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 way that they move you into the pro version into like the full paid version i think it's interesting how they give you access to some sort of parts of the of the let's say a freebie or something in let's right. say that promotion strategy um but i think uh, i think they're pretty much doing well i think if they include these elements that, that i've been discussing i think that that could be very powerful for the for for this app yeah. You know, I like, I don't like this small font, Patrick, that you have, you know, I'm kind of compared to master class. And when I first looked at your app and I saw the tagline, it was like, cook like pros. I love that. But I'm like, who are the freaking pros? Like, maybe I'm just not a chef. Like, I don't know these people, but when I look at master class and they talk about learning from the best world's best, they have their pros up front and center where you kind of hide them. And I don't know if this guy is just a legit guy that I don't know about, but like, I would make this text way bigger because it's so tiny right now. And I'm, I'm actually blowing this up, by the way. So like, it's so tiny and it looks even tinier on the phone. I'd blow this up. I'd probably highlight more of this. And I love all the messaging you have on your website. And this is what I typically find. Alex is like, if I go to their website, the messaging's on point, but then the app store, like what happened to, who, who wrote the copy? Like cook like a world class chef. I like this messaging. And then when I hear GoPro, find recipes you can't get anywhere else. Okay. All right. What happened to all those? Right. What happened to all those? You, you, you kind of lose that unique selling point that you had in the, the website, but you don't have it in your screenshots. All right. ASO wise, I think obviously, you know, if the, the chef's names are, if they're really big, then I think what you can do is utilize those names. I know Gordon Ramsay has a pretty good search traffic and he even has a game. That's probably why too, but there are some chefs and like Tim Ferriss, some influencers out there with, pretty decent search volume for their names. So that might be another keyword strategy too. Okay, let's get into the app. Let's see what we can do. Alex said it's simple, so I'm relying. I'm preparing my joke. I'm preparing my joke. So yeah. Okay, good, good, good. That's more important. Okay, here you go. Get inspired by culinary professionals. You know, I think that find recipes you won't find anywhere else. That's interesting. And then collect ideas with, oh, I like this, connect. So they do have that, what you're talking about, Alex, right? Like that membership utility type of feel here too. All right, let's get started. Ooh, I like this. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm neither, but okay. Just so you know, Patrick, I'm neither. I'm not really a passionate person for about food. I think other would be interesting because I, I am that other. And I am interested in this app, by the way, just so you know. So we're vegan. Uh, definitely not meat. I think maybe coffee, maybe pastries, pasta. Kids love pasta. And then crackers, sure. Okay. So back to Patrick. I don't know if I said Patrick, but Sebastian. So Patrick, the first app. This is a good, this is when you ask, right? You got me to engage. You told me a little bit about it. Now you say continue. That's a way better 
better process that Sebastian has than what you had, Patrick. So I'm going to do the same. Let's sign up. Again, Sebastian, I'm expecting to see a paywall, which I am now. You might want to A-B test. You know, I've got a calm video that I'm about to release next Tuesday. And what they do is they allow you to X out of signing up and then they show you a paywall. And then after you show up, they sign up for a trial, they make you sign up. So get that money first and then make force people to sign up if you can. Okay. Anything on this? Alex, paywall that you I'm, want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I'm coming again with the first argument about the repurchase frequency or how uh, how often customers go into your app. If they are discovering this, if they're, I mean, if you obviously if you have limited content, it's okay to go with a seven days free trial. But if you have lots of videos, lots of, lots of interesting content, I will try to just test like a free month or something like that. I know it might not be optimal, the optimal uh, entry point for this, but... I think for me, just going into seven days free trial might not be enough, um, especially if you can only like check it out for a few minutes or a few hours. You might need to have at least other two or three weeks in which you also use your CRM strategy just to go and remind, give reminders to, to your, to your uh, prospective clients about like different features that they can, that they can get access to uh, if they if they pay for the full access version, right? But yeah, yeah I will try. I mean, maybe this is an A-B testing. We don't know. But I will try just to try to for a, for a free month or something. I think seven days might not be enough. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so on top of that, Alex, what I would, I, I've been finding that longer pricing pages are performing better. So Sebastian, think about a longer pricing page where you can have that timeline model, like day one, access all the free content. Day five will notify you when your free trial is about to, you know, subscribe. And then day seven, you'll be charged this amount. And then that's what we have in our app. We, we have a really long paywall and it's converting roughly around 10 to 15%, depending on the day. But I would do that. I would combine what Blinkist has done versus a long paywall, which I've been saying since 2019. The other thing that you want, you might want to try to Alex's point about, Hey, maybe they need that full month is I know Vixer did this and I'm trying to find a visual for you guys, but essentially they said, if you want, you know, you get 99 cents for one month. And then if you stay on after that month, it will charge you one, the yearly price. So that's another option to kind of like, Alex, you kind of had this in your slides, like get people can, let me see the promotion stuff, you know, like freebies. So like in the online world, it is a trick tripwire where you get people to pay a little bit and then hopefully they get they pay a little bit more because a customer is more likely to become another customer, right? Like so, that is another way to think about it too, Sebastian. Like test out some of these things. So like if people have been using the app for a long time but yet they haven't subscribed, maybe think about like, all right, I need to offer these type of promotions. Whether it's yeah, here let me let me put this up because I did this for somebody, another client. Uh, I'll pull up the. The visual. I like all visuals, so I have the visual. Let me pull up the visual for the the Vixer stuff, too. All right. Anything on top? Uh, let's get into the app itself. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I like this. Get them engaged. Cool. Sebastian, I just said vegan and you're putting chicken skin crispy. 
Alex, anything sound interesting to you right here? Any of these recipes I can make for you when I see you in San Francisco? Um, I mean, I think I like that. <laughs> um, I don't know if they, I mean, I think it's, it's also important. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot that has to be with using these kind of apps, in my opinion, has to be with how you communicate the value of your offering in a way that creates this sort of emotion. So when when you when it comes to food, it creates lots of emotions. It creates lots of good memories for customers. I think mm-hmm. the way that it's presented, I like the pictures. I think it's it's like professionally well designed. I think there are some improvement areas, as you mentioned, Steve, with like, if I chose a vegan, why are you presenting me something that I didn't like, right? It's like, just to mm-hmm. be very mindful of that. How are you doing your data segmentation in terms of the content that you're presenting? But I think, um, within the same CRM strategy part and how you link it, link this with your UX uh, in a way. Um, I will also try to just give customers some sort of like advices, tips, something that they knew can explore or even connect with some other, other sources or data or, or communities that can just like complement your value program be interesting. You know, like we're seeing the comments there in, in each of those, but I would like also to see the communities part that I mentioned there. Um, and I think that that will be a good improvement area, if I if I may say. I don't know why it says pro on here. Is it just it's a pro? You know, when I think of pro, Sebastian, I'm thinking like, it's, is it unlocked that I have to pay for? Right. That's what I think about. Or are you trying to say pro because it's a pro chef that put this recipe together? So I'm kind of unclear. And then here. I'm assuming all I do is mix all this up or maybe I watch this video, but I personally, like, I don't mind watching a video, but I, I prefer to read because I'm literally like, you know, as I'm cooking this, I'm just following the instructions. So I, don't, I can't find the instructions and maybe the instructions are all in this video. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you need to be able to, to create the whole app experience designed for people that are more visual, people that may, they might need, for instance, like people for that listening to it, like maybe adding like a shortcut or something in which you actually listen to how they're preparing, right? Uh, or cooking that, uh, whatever uh, your, your, the video you're watching. Um, yeah, I think overall fixing those things, I think there are important areas to improve. I really like this. And then it looks like this is where I, so maybe he's selling the master classes and not all the recipes. Yeah. Okay. I like it. So the, maybe the recipes are for free, but a oh, free pro for new. Oh, okay. So I get it now. Yeah. I would call it something else. I don't really like the word pro because I, I immediately think to, and maybe this is just me. I'm not a cook or a chef, but I immediately think to something I have to pay versus something I get for free exclusive premium offer okay. let's look at the second open and then we'll call it a day alex yeah again honestly show that paywall as much as you can the more paywall views the more money here is the the vixer welcome pages so do 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 and then they do go one dollar one month for just $1, and then it renews. You guys can't see it here, but renews at $40 per year right afterwards. That's how they were testing. They stopped doing this test, but I just wanted to point out, if you guys did want to do some type of promotion just to give, like Alex said, sometimes you know, I need a month worth. 
at least a dollar or, or two dollars. Like a dollar here, I don't mind. It's like maybe they get to convert. And then maybe, Sebastian, you show this one dollar maybe on second open because most people are going to buy during the onboarding process, right? And if they don't buy then, then it's like maybe try to sweeten the deal, try to get them to buy there afterwards. All right, cool. Yeah, let me try something. Let me see what happens, all right? Okay. Yeah, nothing. I think there's some opportunity there. Go watch my video, Seven Proven Ways to Increase Conversions, Sebastian. You'll find some tricks here that I allude to uh, with the headway model. So there's a little tip for you. Alex, anything I missed that you want to make sure we cover? Uh, I think I think it's a, this was a good uh, a good chat about like the, all the opportunities in terms of pricing, in terms of building connections for membership, for subscriptions, uh, about the steps of creating a successful um, strategy for optimizing revenue. I think that's super important. Uh, we're also going to build like a membership program eventually for uh, the super app. Obviously, following uh, some of the good tips that, that I that I saw you presented during the app promotion summit in San Francisco. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's all about testing. It's all about getting to understand what's the most attractive ways to bring customers' attention. Um, so yeah, I think it's just testing, testing, and making sure that your strategy it's aligned with what it's offered elsewhere in the market, what your financials are telling you, and obviously all the opportunities into keeping customers engaged and discovering Latin needs that maybe no one has discovered so in the past. Yep. This is the app, Boz, if you're in. It's only available in Mexico. Yeah, Alex? Yeah, in, in Mexico, and then we just launched a new version in the U.S. for sending remittances. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be expanding new features soon. Look, I didn't know anything about a super app. And Alex is like, look, it's very popular. It might not be popular in the US yet, yet, but it is what you would think when you hear super app. It's you can pretty much do everything in this app. And so from payments to entertainment to running your own business to shopping, you can do it all in one app. It is baz.app, B-A-Z.app. And if you want to connect with Alex, his LinkedIn profile is right here and it is linked up into your favorite podcast app and this very YouTube description. Alex, if the audience wants to connect with you in any other way, do you want to send them anywhere else? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is the best way for me to connect. I'm pretty responsive. So just feel free to yeah. add me. I'm always there and then always willing to have nice and smart discussions like the one that I was just having with you, Steve, and your audience. So yeah, happy to be there. Look, Alex knows his stuff. He's the regional lead at Uber. He's got a wealth of knowledge. And this was just a little segment of what we pulled from the App Promotion Summit presentation he gave. You guys want to check that out, go to App Promotion Summit's YouTube channel. And you can check out the full presentation there as well. All right, next week, we're going to talk all about TikTok ads and how this guy that he's going to come on, Jake is going to come on. He's in Australia, so he's waking up early to do this with me, but he's going to show you his exact TikTok strategy, how he finds content, what happens to use how do you set up targeting and everything that you need to know about running ads on tiktok so join us friday next friday 9 a.m pacific and every friday on this very youtube channel and do me a favor guys if you are enjoying this hit that like button and the better thing is go share it with a friend i appreciate that a lot more alex thank you so much for coming on doing this my friend yeah no worries i can i can i have my final joke that i missed for you oh yes Dude, can you please? I'm pretty, you I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you already have the, this this joke. Uh, it's the question is, why did the bike fall over? Why? It was too tired.
I like that one. All right, Alex, you win. <laughs> you only have one job. I think you beat me on the Chris Rock face. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for having me. I really love this experience. And then obviously, uh, if any of the audience have love for any kind of questions, I'm happy to also have a discussion with them. That's good. Alex, this went from a great interview to an exceptional interview because you landed that joke, my friend. Thank you so much for pulling that out. <laughs> Thank you very much. See you. All right. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next Friday. Bye. Cheers. Next. Tired of overpaying for App Store optimization? Get unlimited ASO and app marketing support to increase your keyword rankings, downloads, and more importantly, your revenue. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.